in America. Why? Because it's America. I mean, think about it. We, as Americans, we believe that we just know which way is up. We got it right. Our way is the best way, always. And if you include that entitlement mindset that we've all been socialized in, if you include that into the spiritual realm, what you have is that I'm all taken care of. I'm good. Eternity is mine by nature of being born. You may have heard people say that they're going to heaven because they're an American. Somehow they've gotten the idea that America equals Christianity. Pastor Daniel, we'll be teaching today what the Bible defines a Christian as. You are going to learn that God's requirements for someone who he determines as part of his kingdom is quite different than what many people think it is. The good thing, though, is that his kingdom is open to everyone. Now here's Pastor Daniel in the book of 1 John chapter 1 as he continues his message, God is Light. Notice, within the church, within the people of God, we have fellowship or community or commonness with one another and our fellowship is with God. So not only is it a horizontal relationship amongst people, interpersonal, but it's also truly spiritual. Our fellowship, our community happens because of our relationship and fellowship that we have with God. So church is different. I mean, look, you can join a political party and we encourage you to and vote in the next election, but you only have interpersonal relationships there, only horizontal happenings. And the difference between those and church is that churches, we have community with each other because of the relationship that we have with God. Our fellowship is not only interpersonal, but it's also spiritual. And really, the vertical access, the relationship with God feeds our horizontal relationships. And that's why he says, I've written these things that your joy may be full. Makes me think of what Jesus said in John 15, verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Our joy as the children of God through the finished work of Jesus is because of the joy that God has in and of himself. Think of Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do you have joy in the community of faith that God has called you to? Do you have joy in what God is doing in people's lives? Jesus, the word of life, came to bring light to joyful fellowship. Now, as we continue, look at what happens in verse 5. It says, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Here we learn that God is purifying light. Notice right in verse five, it says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. 
And then by the time you get to verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So because the blood of Jesus cleanses us, I'm using the word purifying, so God is purifying light. Now, the reality that God is light is the theme of my whole message today. When you think of God being light, light in its most basic physical principle, light reveals, doesn't it? Like right now, there's lights in here. Look around. You can see each other. You can even wave at your friends across the sanctuary. Hey, how you doing? But have you ever walked into the sanctuary when none of the lights are on? It is pitch dark in here. I had to do this sometimes after service when I'm playing on the worship team and after everyone's left and, you know, everyone's gone, gone home, I'm still hanging out in the family room talking to people and I need to come grab my bass. And I walk into the doors and it's totally dark and I take out my phone trying to see if I can get a little flashlight or break out my lightsaber app, you know. Because if you're in the dark, lightsabers always work, you know. And so I break it out and you can't see anything eight inches in front of your face. But when you turn the lights on, Oh, look, there's the pews, there's the rows, there's the steps so I don't break my head on the pulpit or something. Light reveals. And what is interesting about this is that one of the ways we are being purified by the Lord is by letting him shine the light of who he is on our hearts. And that is why, let's be honest, if you've been around the block a few times, what you realize is that when you're living in a way that you know is wrong, you don't want to open your Bible, you don't want to go to prayer, and you don't want to go to church. Why? Because you know that light's going to get shined on your stuff. And in the light, no amount of cover-up actually gets the job done. And one of the things that's so hard is because we struggle and we all make mistakes and we're all in process, when we walk into the family of God with the people of God, inspired by the spirit of God, that light's going to get shine on our hearts. And oftentimes it's not pretty. But once the light is shined, once the impurity is seen, then God can deal with it. And so God is purifying light, revealing to us where we make mistakes, showing us our flaws, but also purifying us. See, I love that about the Lord. The Lord just doesn't reveal to us our faults to make us feel better that we're not as bad as other people. That's what our friends are for, right? Our friends show us our faults so that they can feel better about themselves. See, God reveals to us our faults so that he can show us how he's growing us up. He can show us the areas that he's tending to. And know what's awesome about being a part of the family of God is that nobody in this place has got it all together. And if you think you got it all together, then you're not part of the family of God. Because the gospel is that Jesus Christ came to die on a cross to forgive people who make mistakes. And I love that. So when someone comes like, man, I just pulled a bonehead move. I'm like, that's why Jesus died on a cross. That's why we believe in Jesus. Hey, you got issues, me too. That's why God sent Jesus for me. That's the the nature of the gospel is that we're all in process. And don't get me wrong. Some of us, there's a little more processing going on than with other of us at times. Sometimes I hang out with Pastor Bill and I'm thinking to myself, man, I got to grow. He'll say something just totally wise, and I'm just like, hmm, all right. 
writing it down. I'll preach it later, you know. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But you know, God's working on all of us. He's purifying all of us. And the day you stop being purified is the day that you're either with him or you're backslidden. <laughs> you're either getting busy growing or you're getting busy regressing until Jesus comes back. So we're all in process. And that's what we're so grateful for, the grace of God. But now notice this. God is light. In him is no darkness at all. Notice verse 6. Verse 6 gets rough. John gets really rough. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. This is another misconception. Misconception number two. This is what is commonly called antinomianism. You thought to yourself, man, I didn't come to church to learn these big words. But you just thank the scholars, man. People go to school for a long time. They need to make you know that they know things. So they make bigger and more complex words for you. So you can thank them. And it's also very impressive when you say things like antinomianism. So when you go to your small group this week, just like float out antinomianism. Everyone will think you're a theologian. It's an amazing thing. Antinomianism is literally three words slammed together. It's the word anti, which is the Greek word for against. Namas, which is the Greek word for law. It's the equivalent of the Hebrew Torah. And then ism, we all know what isms are, don't we? There's a million of them in the world in every generation. This ism or that ism. So it's a group that is against law. Antinomianism. Now, basic antinomianism is quite simply that there's no law that I can kind of do whatever I want. In modern terms, in words that we use every day, the modern term for antinomianism is simply relativism. It's that it doesn't matter how we live. That if God exists, he loves everybody the same. So what I do with my life is mine. It's relative. For you younger people, YOLO is classic relativism. Yeah, I said YOLO in church. You only live once. For those of you who don't know what YOLO is, that is a very common misconception that if there is a God, God loves everybody the same. And who cares what I do? You only live once. I got one shot at this. Let's grab the bull by the horns, carpe diem. Let's just do whatever we got to do. And it's all good. But notice what verse six says. Once again, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Now, brothers and sisters, listen, I didn't write this, so don't get mad at me. But if you say that you are a follower of Jesus and you walk in a way that goes against what Jesus would do if he was living your life, then guess what? You're a liar and you do not practice the truth. See, YOLO is only good if you're your own God. And whatever you want to do, it's relative for you. It's your life. You do what you want. But if you say, look, I am a follower of Jesus, then you need to walk in the light, not in the darkness. So any aspect of our lives that if Jesus was standing there that we wouldn't do in his presence, then you shouldn't do it because you are in his presence. And we need to be careful that we don't have a relativistic or an antinomian way of life. You've heard it said that there's such a thing as a carnal Christian which is somebody who's saintly on Sundays and live like hell Monday to Saturday. And guess what? That is lies. It's a lie. 
It's antinomianism. It's relativism. And the Apostle John says that if you walk in darkness and say that you have fellowship with him, then you're a liar. You don't practice the truth. But notice verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. I like that. Listen. If you walk in the light as God is in the light, then we can have community and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Notice that word cleanses. It's in the present tense. It's not in the future tense. That if we walk in the light, if we choose to leave the ways of darkness and follow the ways of light, then as we do that, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So the gospel... The plain, simple teaching of Jesus is that God is purifying light, that God desires to cleanse a human soul. And just so you know, this is the best news in the world. Because if you're even remotely, remotely self-reflected, you will find that you need cleansing, and so do I. That we Although maybe we want to do well, we don't do well. Maybe we don't feel like doing well. We're just rebellious. We realize that there is mixture in our hearts. And if we walk in the light, if we continue on in the light, letting God shine the light of his perfections on our heart, as we do that, cleansing happens. Jesus' color wheel is different than Picasso's, Rembrandt's, Van Gogh's. Scarlet red sin plus the red blood of Jesus equals white as snow. Only in Jesus' color wheel does red plus red equal white. I don't know how he does it. I'm just grateful that he does it. Because we all know what it's like to have crimson red sin in our hearts. We all have it. All of us. Plays out in different ways. We all have it. But if you take your failings and you add The blood of Jesus, the finished work of Calvary's cross, you get what? White as snow. You get forgiveness. And brothers and sisters, you all and I are many things, but most importantly, if you're born again, you're forgiven. And that's the game changer. That's the game changer. We may be many things, horrible things, but if you're born again, you are forgiven by the finished work of Calvary's cross because God is purifying light. Now, as we move on in verse 8, it says this, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. If anyone sins... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he himself is propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. This section teaches us that Jesus shines light onto our darkness. Now, notice what happens. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So in order to begin the process, we need to receive the light of Jesus and say, yes, we have darkness in our hearts. That is the first step. We have to allow Jesus 
to shine the light on our darkness, and we say, yes, we have a sin issue. Sin simply means missing the mark. Missing the mark of what perfect actions, motives, and responses are at every point. So we simply allow Jesus to shine his light onto our darkness. It reminds me of John chapter 8, verse 12. It says, then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. We allow Jesus to illuminate our path. And as we allow him to illuminate our path, we realize that we have darkness. Look at what it says. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, what's the misconception here? Misconception number three. This is the misconception of Gnosticism. Gnosticism is simply the belief that humanity does not have a sin principle or what is commonly called in church, that humanity does not suffer from original sin, which means that by nature, we have a sin disposition that lives in rebellion against God. That's what Gnosticism was. A Gnostic wouldn't say that they didn't make mistake. They would actually deny the fact that they had a sin principle because of their faith in Jesus. Some people would call this a perfectionist. I would call this quite simply what is very common today, a spiritual entitlement syndrome. I don't know how many people I have met in my now 15 years of being a Christian who would say, I mean, why do I need to be saved? I already get heaven because I'm human. See that? The assumption is that because I am human, therefore eternity is already mine. And you know what's interesting about that? If you've done any traveling, you realize that spiritual entitlement is only an American problem. It's part of the goggles that we wear as 21st century Americans. We just think it's just all coming to us. Entitlement is a way of life. I was just talking to someone after first service. They said, you were talking about entitlement. It was so clear to me. I was watching the news and they were showing these houses that were destroyed. And they're like, this is like a third world country. I mean, come on, people. This is America. See that? We don't suffer in America. Why? Because it's America. I mean, think about it. We, as Americans, we believe that we just know which way is up. We got it right. Our way is the best way, always. And if you include that entitlement mindset that we've all been socialized in. If you include that into the spiritual realm, what you have is that I'm all taken care of. I'm good. Eternity is mine by nature of being born, which is just classic Gnosticism packaged for a new generation. That's all it is. But notice, God's word will not allow us to hold that position. Because notice, We have to say that we sin. If we don't say that, it says we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That's in verse 8. In verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. Wow. So to say that we do not have a predisposition towards rebellion against God, we are self-deceived and we make God a liar. Wow. Think about that. 
But how many of us in this room, by the way that we were raised, the way that we were socialized, we actually believe that? We think, you know, I'm not so bad. As if God grades on a curve. See, the reality is that we do sin, that we do have darkness, and we allow Jesus to shine his light onto our darkness. Now, I want you to notice something here. In verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, the idea of confession, that word literally means to say the same thing as another. So true biblical spirituality begins with us agreeing with God that we have a sin problem. That's where it begins. If we say God says that my darkness is sin, is rebellion, and I'm going to agree with him. I'm going to say, God, you are right. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. This is the gospel, that if we agree with God that we have aspects of our nature that's in rebellion, if we agree with him, then God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us. Our confession, our own personal admission and acknowledgement of our failings is the first step in receiving the grace of God, us simply agreeing with God that what God says is true. And now notice this in chapter two, verse one, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not only for us, but also for the whole world. Now I love this. This is the gospel. The gospel is this. I have darkness. If I agree with God, then now Jesus is my advocate. Notice it says the advocate Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he himself is our propitiation. An advocate is somebody who champions your cause. And there is no more weighty advocate for us before the Father than Jesus Christ, who is the righteous one. It's one thing to have Bill Clinton stump for your election. It's another thing to have some other guy stump for your election. But it's quite another thing when Jesus Christ says, This person is with me. Why? Because not only is Jesus our advocate, but he's the righteous one. He is the one who has lived the perfect life, who always does those things which please his father. And not only is he a great advocate, and he's never done anything wrong, but he also is the propitiation for our sins, which means he offered himself in our place. And brothers and sisters, this is Gospelology 101 right here. That Jesus is our advocate. He champions our cause. He is the only one acceptable to his father from a perfectly lived life. And he died on a cross, the death that I deserved and that you deserved. And that's the gospel. Jesus is real. Pastor Daniel shared today how easy it is to get into God's kingdom. All we have to do is agree with God's viewpoint about ourselves and accept the remedy he offers. The challenge is to admit that you have a problem, that you aren't okay as you are, and that you can't fix it. This is why Pastor Daniel talked about God as the light. He shines on your life, 
showing you which way to go and to show you what needs to be changed in your life. Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page, JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com Click on the stations option in the main menu and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel wraps up his teaching, God is Light. He will continue to share from 1 John showing more about our needy condition because of sin. Pastor Daniel will talk about the work that Jesus did to make it possible for us to be reconciled to God. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.